0: my recovery, um, date is August 24th, 2015. Um, and I came by that date at the request of my children. They, um, they noticed that I had a drinking problem. I guess I did too, but, um, I may have been in denial. I don't know. I've, I've, I've heard a lot that I didn't think I qualified as an alcoholic because I wasn't living on the street. I wasn't drinking out of a brown bag. I hadn't lost my driver's license. Um, I didn't have any court papers. So I really was in denial about that. But the before, during and after. I was born into a family of. um, Dysfunction. Big dysfunction. Um, I was going through some old pictures yesterday and I came across a letter that my brother had written to me and he's 13 months younger than me and oh golly this was in this was in the 70s that he had written this letter and he said he had met this girl who he really liked and she had gotten him off alcohol and drugs So. I really didn't know to what extent he had a problem, um, but I, I guess I didn't recognize that at the time as a problem. My mom and dad were both heavy smokers. My dad, I believe, drank like I did. And at some point in his life, he became a non-drinker also. My mom was overweight Um I believe she had a an, an eating disorder, um, so I think that I think that qualifies me as um, having been predisposed to um, alcoholism, uh, <clears throat> as some people refer to it as dopamine addict, because I would I would just hop on that bandwagon and I would. You know, when I was drinking, I would, I would drink until I, until I passed out and I drank for the effect, you know, um, I was at a party one time and a person asked me why I drank and I said, because I'm lonely, bam, that, you know, that was it. Growing up, there was a lot of dysfunction. Um, my mom and dad were not together. Um, I chose to live with my grandparents. Um, because I felt that that was a safe haven. Recently, I've um, disclosed to my therapist that there was some um, sexual innuendos by my grandfather in that he would um, make eye contact with me and then he would look at his uh, genital area. Now I am going to further that um, therapy with EMDR therapy, just to kind of get to the bottom of the, of the trauma, because I feel like I've held that in all these years and that subconsciously perhaps I chose to drink to cover up any of that dysfunction um, that I experienced. Growing up, and that's what that's what recovery brought me. Did recovery has brought me the the clarity to understand that I don't have to go through this alone. I can get outside help. Um, but what what I got mostly out of recovery is the fact that I come to these rooms and I see that everybody you know is experiencing a lot of the same. Um, Adversity that I did and I find that very comforting and I found hope most of all in early recovery and discovering that there were women, especially that had experienced a lot of these same um, things growing up as I did and little by little I became willing to share any of that adversity. Backing up a little bit, when I did first come into recovery, um, I came in reluctantly to share at local meetings because my husband, my husband of 36 years at that point um, was a prominent business owner. And I thought, well, you know, how can I really do this and protect his anonymity? Now I realize that, you know, I was protecting everybody else at my own cost. I was covering up my own feelings and masking my own, my own feelings by, by drinking. I was taking care of everybody else but myself. I was the soccer mom. I got the kids to practice. I got them to skating practice. Um, I was PTO member. You know, I was that mom. But I, over the years, my drinking progressed to the point where it became out of control. And it took me a while. It really wasn't until, you know, I started drinking when I was like, I don't know, 14 or 15. And it really didn't progress until I didn't get to the point of desperation until I was I don't know, 54, 56, something like that. So I drank for a long time um, in denial, but then it got to the point where I couldn't function. And I was taking away from tomorrow's happiness. You know, it took me me more than a day to recover from any sort of um, hangover. And I was blacking out, not remembering what I had done that night. Um, I remember one night where I was, I don't know, I was with this guy who I left my marriage for. And of course, that, that didn't work out. Got up the next morning and my clothes were on the floor. And I'm like, how did my clothes get on the floor? Because I never did that. I never just left things strewn about. Um, so I, I just, I don't remember. And that was, that got to be often in my last, I would say 78 years of, seven to eight years of drinking. So maybe, maybe fast forwarding a little bit to. Um the during. My kids came to visit me one time and they noticed that I wasn't drinking. And they intervened with me um, and said, Mom, we want you to go away to rehab. We noticed that you cannot drink successfully, but when you do, it's a mess. So I did and I went to a traditional uh 12-step recovery room facility. And it was okay. I opened the big book and I'm like, oh my gosh, what am I gonna do here? So I looked at the I looked at the copyright date very first. And that that set it all for me, the, the copyright. Um so you know, in the first 164 god capital um, is mentioned 281 times so i wasn't quite sure how i was going to get through it but i did i did a lot of research you know i went online discovered podcasts aa agnostica and all that and i just figured out how it was going to work for me so Most of all, I knew I didn't want to drink because I was going to lose my family. And that was, that felt devastating to me. You know, I was going through a divorce at the time. I had already lost my husband. I had lost the home of my dreams. Um, and now I was going to lose whatever I had left. So I was desperate, um, not drink, but I didn't know how not to drink. So I sat and I listened and I took what I could and I left the rest. Um, and I watched how all these women were so happy and they were smiling and, you know, they could, um, they could laugh at themselves. They could laugh at the stories they told about their drinking. One story that, um, I think was is especially devastating to me is my youngest daughter was still in the house when I when my my drinking really started to pick up and I remember coming home after after drinking on several occasions and falling asleep on the toilet and she and my husband were just devastated you know but I could not make myself move and do anything different. Um, so looking back, that, that was a point where I knew that I knew I had to do something, but I didn't know what to do. So I kept coming back to meetings, um, listening. I didn't want to share it first because I didn't, I was shy, you know, and I didn't want to, I didn't want to expose myself. Um, I wasn't, I wasn't ready, but the more I kept coming back, the more you, the more you accepted me for who I was, the more I realized that, you know, there might be a little bit of hope here and, um, I might, I might just be okay. Um, so I got involved in service work. At the recommendation of my sponsor, she said, "You're going to walk. You're going to wash the coffee cups." At that time, it was a club, and we had uh, real live coffee cups, and you're going to you're going to do that after the meetings. And so I did. You know, I I I hung around and I de- developed friendships, and that was that was really good for me. Um, so maybe skipping up to what it's like now. Thank you. You know, the good thing that came out of, that came out of the worldwide shutdown was um, online meetings. And I'm super, super grateful to, for that. Um, I, of course, noticed all of these secular online meetings. Um, there, there isn't one in my particular area Um, so again, I, again, I discovered that there's hope, um, that there's hope in my recovery. There's hope that I can connect with people who are just like me. Um, and it's worldwide. It's not just my own little community that I, that I realized that there are people that drank like I did and people that um, had the same adversities that I had, but it's worldwide. And what a discovery that was. Today, I have no desire to drink. I really don't. Um, as some of you may know, I, um, I have breast cancer. I'm currently going through radiation. Um, and I'm doing it gracefully. I'm going through all of this with the hope of coming out on the other side, you know, cancer-free. So far it's looking that way. But what recovery has given to me is the ability to handle life on life's terms with grace and dignity. And that's what I noticed with a lot of the women especially. That they were able to handle their lives and go through their traumas gracefully, and that's what I—that's what I'm doing. Um, and first and foremost, it makes me um, have the self-esteem and the courage that I never really had before. And I think part of that comes from the brain fog lifting, from my, my brain healing. Um, you know, I'm not in the science field at all, but I truly believe in the science behind recovery. Um, and I think that's been helpful. I believe everything happens at the right time for the right reason. I'm in recovery. I'm almost seven years out. I have breast cancer. That is the grace that recovery has given me is allowing me to go through this without the desire to drink. Because I truly don't want to do that. I know what would happen. I would lose my self-esteem. I would lose my dignity. I would lose my children. You know? And I don't want to do that today. I spent the other day with my granddaughter outside on the lawn for an hour. She was going into my my purse, taking out my sunglasses, taking out everything in there and and you know there there would have been a point where I would have been like, "No, don't touch my sunglasses. You're going to get them all fingerprints. Don't do that." Today I take it one minute at a time some days. And I know that that's where I need to be. I was pushing her in the swing one day. And I I was contemplating retirement, not going back to work. And I was pushing her in the swing. And I had this overwhelming sense of calm that came over me. And I said to myself, this is where I need to be. I have goosebumps now just to think about it. I wouldn't have that if I were still drinking because I wouldn't be allowed to be with her, you know, and why would I risk that? Why would I risk the idea of not being able to develop a relationship with them? She cries when I leave for the day, you know, and that's, that is so, mm, that is so warming. So I've, I've gained a lot in recovery. Um, I think the most I've gained is self-esteem, peace and serenity. Um, There's some days I don't always have that and I back it up. You know, one thing that I have in my, my toolbox is a tapping meditation app. And I do like to visit that um, in the morning when I do my readings um, and at night to help me, you know, fall asleep peacefully. So Sometimes I can't lock my toolbox because I feel like I have so many items in there, um, but they're all good tools to use, and I I grab them as I as I need them. So um, that that might be all I have to share. I think if you're new, my my message would be: um, if you're here, it's for a reason. Um. And everything happens for a reason at the right time, in my mind. Um, And hope was the biggest thing that I got out of recovery, the hope that I didn't have to drink. Um, So at least I think that might be all I have to share at this point.